to the Dynamite Review here on Sunday night's main event. And yes, I know we still don't have a name, but there is a good reason for this. And uh, the name is coming soon. But we're your hosts. I'm Boris. And as always, I am joined by the man himself, Dag Xavier Dax. How's it going? Ah, starting a new year. Just starting a new year. What can I say? It's like, yeah, happy <laughs> I mean, new it's 2024. Happy, happy new year to you. Happy new year to all our listeners. Um, I don't know. I don't, it just feels weird. Like every year I feel more excited about what's to happen. Cause I never know what's going to happen. And then some really cool, like shit usually happens. I don't know what the hell this year. It's like, all right, let's just, whatever happens, happens. That's kind <laughs> of how like, I feel, man. Honestly, like with all my side projects, even with work, honestly, my day job, yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen. I know there's some cool stuff coming up, but you mm-hmm. never know, man. But then you look at all like my side hustles and stuff <clears throat> and could be good. Could just blow up in my face by like you know next week i you just never know but i'm but. I, like I, I, me personally i'm like because i'm going to be 47 in a couple weeks and i'm at this process it's like i'm no longer excited i want consistency now. yeah that's <laughs> kind of where i'm at with just life in general my friend all right we right mm-hmm. before we hit record we were having this conversation because i'm like man you look different you look formal and literally the only difference as you take that sexy sip of the coffee or whatever you're drinking. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, is you are wearing glasses. <laughs> Which I do every every so often, distinguishedly. You know what's funny? Lance Storm owns a pair that look very similar to this. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, and he I'm does. like, I, you know, I ain't mad at this. Like, I, I, respect, I respect Lance Storm because, like, unconditionally. <laughs> yep. And then you brought up a character from a, one of my favorite sitcoms of the early '90s, A Different World. Marissa yeah, Tomei. I always like the, that's the that's way where I know Marissa Tomei from. How about that, right? Like before she became the hot Aunt May, <laughs> and, and and the dancer from the the wrestler, which I'll never forget. <laughs> and my cousin Vinny, my cousin, and my Vinny. cousin Vinny, of course. Like and she's awesome. Her liking uh, Costanza. Yeah. You know what's funny? I believe that was my first introduction to Seinfeld. Really? Yeah, that episode, because one, it was Marissa Torme and George. And then two, what really got me was the because at the at, during that time, during those days, when you had cable, scheduling for the cable guy to come to install your stuff, it was a range from like the hours yep. of eight o'clock two three o'clock and it was no guarantees that they would come and you would have to stay the entire day so the fact that they did that episode dedicated to that and really like just to poke fun at them i was immediately drawn to that and i think that was the beginning of my seinfeld um love but it's going back to go ahead going back to a different world though like Dwayne, like kadeem hardison Dwayne wayne was my dude like he was the reason why I wanted to go to college. He was the reason why him wanting to create his own Nintendo, Dwayne Tendo. Yeah. <laughs> what's my deal? And I actually did own a pair of flip up glasses back in the day. I love it. During love that time. It. But you know what? But that just goes to show you about representation, right? Like if you see people doing it, you're going to be like, I can do it too. How about that? How, like, about, how about that? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's very interesting. I've, I've read so many books about like representation and like why, like why it's important. Right. And I, inclusion, right. Yeah. Yeah. Me not being white fully understand this, but like, how do you explain it to someone that isn't a person of color or a minority or whatever? Right. Like it's, it's, it's a, yeah. it's an interesting dilemma, but there you go, man. And I love it because he was like, uh, like he was a black geek without being Urkel. Hey, 
and a cool one too at that. Like he yeah. he was ahead of his time. His character was because yeah he he in like season one and two were like that. He started off being like kind of geekish, like trying to. But he was confident too. He would jump at every chick that he could possibly can. By the time he reached like senior or junior, for that matter, he he was all established. He he they knew who he was, and he was like he was like macking out a lot of you know chicks out during that time. Whitley being one of them, and like once Denise left, he just like he his his groove came in. <laughs> yeah, and he started he started getting his thing, and it was like this is he's like literally the modern day dude. To this day, he really is geeky, smart, charming. Nice. But he also knew how to play basketball. He also knew how yeah. to like. The only thing that was really geek about him was the glasses. Yep. But he had his own. He had his own swag too, because the glasses were flip ups. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly, man. No, I love that show. Like I remember when that show like came out. Like I absolutely mm-hmm. freaking loved it. Um, it, I mean, but it got better too. Like it got more yeah, informative. Got- like when Debbie Allen. When Debbie Allen started like directing it and doing more with the show, um, she brought so much things to a- attention. One of my favorite episodes is when Superman was racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Dean Kane was on the show and they Which, had they were at the. Uh, it's kind of funny yeah. now. If you know anything, it, about it was Kane. funny now. But I watched that episode recently, Boris. That episode is still relevant. One, so, two. Match- it's still it's still moving. That show is still very, very relevant. Like that show, um, I sometimes it's on Peachtree TV or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's on our, it's on our, like one of our networks too. Yeah. yeah so and, and that's the channel from Atlanta that we get here. It used to be TBS, yeah. and then they turned it to Peachtree. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, like the, I watch it whenever it's on because it's 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 honestly a show that I do like. You know, it's like yeah, man. You know. Debbie a lot Allen of us. I forgot about that. Yeah. Is, yeah. Oh, Debbie. It was the it was the debut. Yeah. Of Jada Pickett. Yes. Yes, it was. And Jada, yes, you was. watched Jada Pickett back then. You understand why she was she is in the position that she is not the position that she's in now, but in the status that she just developed over the years. Yep. You know, what I mean, she she was a fire. She was a fire um, firecracker, but I mean, that's the best way I could put it in a sense. And she she made you. Uh, get it? She took your attention. You know, she took the attention from a lot of people on that show yeah. because of her, her, her performances. But also, I don't know if you knew, but like a lot of black kids back then, my myself included, was unaware of HBCUs. We didn't know that they exist until this show came out. We didn't know that they were like black colleges out there, and this show made aware of everybody, and it, it, it inspired a lot of people. Unfortunately, I wish I, I could say I was one of them, but I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even know I was going to even ever get to that point to go to college back then. Yeah. But they, it really inspired a lot of people to go to HBCUs back then and really be, you know, and, and, and learn from that experience. Very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Never thought of it. That yeah, again. We, it, was, it, was, it was unaware. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we, we're going to talk a little bit of wrestling and a little bit, uh, some news that literally just broke about half an hour ago. If you live in the Toronto area, that it might matter to mm-hmm. you. Um, and, uh, but, uh, as we always do, my friend, do you have anything geek you want to talk about? Honestly? Oh yeah, I do actually. Thing. I have one thing, but let's start with you. Yeah. I mean, cause like the year in came, you know, I didn't, you know, 
we already did a thing. We got to wait for the new year to come. Um, we could talk about what we're looking forward to in 2004. But before that, have you seen the video of the kid who beat Tetris? I was literally watching this on the news yesterday. I just watched. You, I'll send you the link to the full video of him playing this. His reaction is yes. the most beautiful thing. I I remember. Do you remember a game that you that you thought that you would never beat? That by the time you beat that game, you were exhausted. Ninja Gaiden, the first one. First Metroids. First Mother Metroid. Brain. Oh, nice. That's a good one. I was be I when I beat that game. I was standing up when I beat that game. I remember this vividly. I, when I finally beat her, or it, <laughs> I literally collapsed. I legit collapsed because I was just all out of energy at this point. When that kid did what he did, which is the impossible, mind you, um, and his reaction to it, it warmed my heart so much because it, I, I felt that before. Yeah, but not to that magnitude. What he did, it's thirteen year old kid, mind you. Yeah, exactly. This game has been out for thirty some years, thirty eight years. It was almost never to make it in this country or any country because of the KGB. And if you have not watched or heard of the story of Tetris, watch the movie. There's a movie. There's watch the movie, which is on Apple TV Plus. I don't understand why I got snubbed for the Game Awards. It should be an Oscar-nominated film. It, it was tremendous. And it's a legit story of how Tetris got into the Game Boy and all these other platforms and how the KGB was trying to stop this, you know, Russian-created game from reaching outside of the uh, regions. And all these years, and this kid, this 13-year-old kid, perfect score. Back in the 80s, something like this would have been, this dude would have been like, ultra famous in the 80s for doing something oh, like this he would have been um the whiz what's that movie yeah the whiz the wizard yeah, yeah. like even more more from a realistic standpoint remember the dude who, uh with the donkey kong score yes yes i bet that dude he was in the delta at the time i bet that dude got laid big time in the 80s oh, for doing oh, something 100 like my friend oh my god just for, for just sure. for beating donkey kong back then that's how the 80s was <laughs> now i don't know what's gonna happen but something should happen for this kid this is this is not to be taken lightly this no, is right. huge yeah, one hundred percent. The fact that it made the news, like nowadays, right? Like that's that's yeah. like mainstream news, not just our news. Mainstream yeah. news, like that's huge. But here's why: we've all played Tetris. We've gotten so far far with it. But it takes it. This is a, this is a game of quick thinking. This is a game of critical thinking at a fast pace. The amount of thinking and fast-paced thinking that this kid had to do when you reach the 130-something lines? Because for those who have played Tetris, they know the faster, the, the, the farther you go in, the faster it gets. Yep. Would it... They need to... They I don't want to say they need to, like, um, experiment on this too, but, like, they really... Like, this is... I'm sorry. This is Mensa level. To me, this is what Mensa level should be. Like, you, you can't... You cannot do that without a lot of quick thinking it's just it's just, it's insane playing this is world games. record this is this is definitely guinness playing video games just from the 80s i was thinking about this because yeah on tiktok and stuff like you just you know there's always all the videos and stuff of people playing retro games and there's a channel actually of, of people 
giving you endings of these retro games and stuff. And yes, as I'm watching some of these people play through their games, I'm always like, there's a certain skill to these games that is lost today. And we call it hand-eye coordination at the time. Hand-eye coordination, um, just just memory, even the memory. Because let's be honest, yeah. a game like Battletoads, a game like Donkey Kong, <laughs> anytime that you're in a vehicle and you know there's one of those tracks, ninety-nine percent yeah. of that is memory. Especially with the matter of frame rate that you had at the time, or pixel rate at the time that you had, and everything that did work with. And it's funny because it's like you got this new generation who feels this this. I want to. All right, I'm not going to say stupid generation, but this naive generation that are so prone into frame rate and 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 resolution and you know and high resolution. Like it's yeah, exactly, Boris. It's eye rolling. It is, and like you just have the same excitement and fun of a retro game. I've known I've played retro games that have superseded the the fun factor the replay value of some of these newer games to this day. Tetris is one of them. I can go back and play Tetris better than some of these newer games to this day. Like, I love the, don't get me twisted. I love the new games. I love the visuals. I love the new production value. I love everything about it. But you cannot, it it is not the end-all be-all. Like, I could go play a Nintendo Switch game. I could play a PSP game. I could play a PS Vita game and still have the same enjoyment that you have of, you know, Baldur's Gate 3. Give me Batman, the original Batman game for NES. I will have so much enjoyment with that game. The, just the absolute just original. The what was that? What was that? Ubisoft? Ubisoft. Was it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, go back to that. You'll still have Robocop. <laughs> Dude, that game. It's funny because I didn't even own it, but it was a, right. at a family friend's place, and I would mm-hmm. I hated the family. I just wanted to play the video game. <laughs> <laughs> baseball All-Stars. He also owned Baseball. And baseball oh, All-Stars. yes. I mean, pro wrestling. Let's let's get pro real. Wrestling. Let's get like the original yeah. pro wrestling. The original pro like wrestling. We, that's another thing. Too. People, t- as much as we crap on fight forever, and people crap on fight forever. First of all, I hate the term. The game is dead. It is not dead. You're just frustrated because they didn't give you what they what you expected, and rightfully so. But with that said, that game is very playable. Then any then a lot of games like a lot of wrestling games that I've played in the past. But these games are very enjoyable, man. Like, and again, the fact that Tetris is getting such like now is getting back into the swing of things because of a 13 year old kid beat it. And it's something that you couldn't beat from like 38 years. We didn't even know we could be beaten. We just like, I didn't know there was an end to this. Right? <laughs> but I love the fact that it, you, you can see the game glitching. So I don't think it's supposed yeah. to go to that point. That's the best. That that was the best thing about the eighties game, the eighties arcade games. They weren't really an ending to them because they weren't expecting you to beat it. You yeah. know, back in the day when the the uh, developers of the arcade games, and there's a documentary on that too. People need to watch. Uh, I forgot which one it was, but the guys who did like Space Invaders and all this stuff, they would show how they would rig the game. Yes, to make it challenging enough so you have to put quarters in because it, there is an easy uh, difficulty level for it, but it, you don't get paid for doing for beating the game because then you get tired. Yeah. So they made it challenging enough for you to keep putting quarters in. So that was their gimmick. That was their carny little trick right there. And it just amazes me, like the fact that somebody ended up beating it after all these years. That's testament to every all the developers in that case, but also a testament to that kid. 
Yep, exactly. No, I just love seeing stuff like that, man, because it brings me back to nostalgia. I don't know why. It's um, I don't know what has triggered this for me. Maybe near-death experiences or something the past month yeah. where I'm like, man, I just want to play some of those classic games. And I'm like, I, I, I just don't care how. Like, you know, I just want to oh. play, like, the Robocops. The ba- I, I want to uh, finally finish Battletoads. Yeah. You know what? I'll give you another one that I felt like when I beat, I'm like, I can do, I can achieve anything. The original Street Fighter. Yes. Street Fighter 1 is not is the hardest of all Street Fighters or of all fighting games to be like cuz the controls are crap yeah. at the time. When it when it got to Street Fighter 2 they they perfected it. Uh and it was under a different team too. But with the original one, it's very hard to beat. So when the anniversary um you know version came out for the Switch, the 30th anniversary one, I was I was persistent of beating Sagat and yeah. when I finally beat him, and this one allows you record, <laughs> it allows you to record the actual um, the actual gameplay. I was like, "Yo, nothing in life, nothing in life right now matters." I just beat the original Street Fighter. This is a bucket list game for me. <laughs> yeah. What was the game that you spent, probably in your estimation, the most money on on the arcade? Probably nothing. Nothing. I put more effort when I got oh, got the Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I I play games leisurely in their arcades. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess maybe what Pac Man, maybe right at, at best. For me, it was honestly just because of the anticipation of this game. I just wanted to play this game, and we, oh. my brother and I, knew where this arcade was. It was in this little um, Asian uh, mall in Mississauga. The, on, mm-hmm. on that street that we, it, it was there and we loved it and it's street right. fighter three oh that game let me uh, you know what that's when i became more invested in the arcades is when street fighter 2 came out that's when I, because now you had this game that wasn't like your normal video game it wasn't your normal single player experience you're actually doing having a comp a competition with somebody you're actually it, it, and people forget how sophisticated the Capcom, you know, board was because now for the first time ever, you got six buttons. Yeah. Usually two buttons was the maximum of buttons that you would play in the arcade in arcade games and on Nintendo Entertainment System. But when Street Fighter came out, when Street Fighter 2 came out, it was the first six button lay, uh, layout game that inspired other game consoles to start coming out with six button controllers. First one being the Genesis six button controller because they were getting, you know, Street Fighter 2 in here. And it was the first time I was more invested in being in arcades because I used to love watching as a spectator, watching the competitions and even being part of those competitions. So, yeah, when Street Fighter 3 came out and the parrying system came out, ooh, it got real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever been in the tournament? Yes. Oh, have I been in tournaments? Of course. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I am fucking mm-hmm. good at these games. I'm good at gamepads. <laughs> and, and and I can get I don't want I've never won a tournament but I've never embarrassed myself in a tournament but right. holy shit and I remember this one tournament it was a Street Fighter 2 tournament um and it was um in this little theater in like near where my parents live and it was it was yeah. awesome I was like it, it felt like Honestly, I know I brought, already brought it up this episode but it felt like the Wiz it honestly felt like the Wiz <laughs> our, Wait, my, the Wizard uh, the Wizard yeah the Wizard Okay 
Uh, I'm like, you felt like Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow? What the hell? <laughs> great movie, by the way. I love that yes, movie. Yes, it is. I love that yes. movie so freaking much. Um, <laughs> the other game that I was in a tournament in was Ken Griffey Jr. It was a home run derby. Oh, wow. That game. <laughs> yep, that game. Yep. Now, when it comes to like Street, I love Street Fighter. I love, like, it's my all-time favorite. It is, like, it's it's crazy how my journey through Street Fighter is because now I'm, you know, I've come to loving the game and I love fighting games in general because not only just because of the gameplay, but the the single player, the single story aspect. Like, this is the first time you had a game that had characters with backstories. And, and then you had them going through this journey. Each journey had their own endings and whatnot. But I fell in love with fighting games solely because of Street Fighter 2. And then later on, come to find out I'm actually friends with the dude who plays Ryu. Like, that's amazing, right? That's that. freaking amazing. <laughs> Man, there were some great fighting games that like aren't around anymore, like Killer Instinct. Mm. I've, 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 I've seldomly liked Killer Instinct. I've, I, I like what Rare did with it, but I wasn't totally a fan of it. Like, I've Soul always Calibre. been an SNK. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, but Namco, when their games, like Tekken 8, which is coming out this later this month, cannot wait. Did you ever play the to d- a demo to that yeah right. yeah i can't it's wait beautiful i cannot wait uh, um let me see soul caliber you said s anything snk yeah i was literally gonna say of uh, like for what we know here um f- uh, fatal fury oh yeah which for the for those who don't know fatal fury was designed and developed by the people who did street fighter 2 that 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 to me always blew my mind. It was like y'all left and did that, and then y'all no wonder y'all did a crossover eventually. But I love Fatal Fury, the Fatal Fury games. I love the anime as well. Um, so, Soul uh, Samurai Showdown, um, Darkstalkers, oh Morgan, which uh. which I all I all have on my Nintendo Switch gracefully. Like you can't like this is the this is the part why I loved the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast, the Sega Dreamcast, ever released. For just, I I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree that it's my absolute favorite, solely because it really catered to fighting game fans. Yep. And if you had the Japan version, you really had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. (laughs) Um, Well, I, I had, I got it modded. So, yeah. I had both. I no, actually, I did. I had both the Japanese version and the because the Japanese, um, the American version had the modem. The Japanese version did not. And I, people forget, like, the, the Dreamcast is one of the first systems, if not the first system, to do online. Fantasy Star Online. Fantasy Star Online. online. It was the first. Um, it was this it shout out to my it's t- like, it, it felt so weird. Yeah. Like, going into the internet back in 1999, 2000. To do multiplayer. To do multiplayer MMO. I don't think Sega ever gets the credit it deserves on that note. Like, it really... There's two things they need to get credit for. One... Just starting the 3D era period, thanks to you, Suzuki. Two, online aspect. Like they they were the first ones to really pioneer that. Yep. Uh one of my favorite um uh, Resident Evil games came out for the Dreamcast called Veronica. Veronica. I love that game. Everybody loved for Code Veronica, man. What was that um Ready to Rumble? Was it called Ready to Rumble? You know what's funny? I just thought about that game. It's a it's the boxing game yeah. with um with Michael Buffer. Yeah. And remember because Michael Jackson was in the sick with yes. the second one. <laughs> funny funny fact about that one. That is one of the few places where you can find a recording of Michael Jackson's actual voice. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like he legit did it. Entertainment voice. It was a le- it was legitimately I don't know how they did it, but they legitimately got him on that game as himself. And it was one of the most fun boxing games outside of punch out. It was awesome. I wish yeah. that I wish they would find a way to bring that back out. Uh, I, I, I literally huh? Jet, Jet Set well, Radio. you know, there's a game. There's an indie game that's coming out that's mimicking that entire game. Yeah, I know. Coming out soon. It I looks know. awesome. And, and plus Sega's coming back out with it, too. Um, Sega Sega's coming back out with like all their retro games. They're revamping them into 3D. But the greatest, the actual greatest freaking game for Dreamcast, in my opinion, was Space Channel Five. Okay, yeah, people did love that. People, I, I, didn't I also have Michael Jackson inspired in there too? Yeah, it was like a Captain EOS type of thing going yeah, on yeah. with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was awesome, but. From a fighting game aspect, SNK versus Capcom. Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yeah. And Marvel versus Capcom 2. <laughs> yes. Look at that. That's, that doesn't look that bad either. No. King of Pop, I don't move over for no one. I love. Hold on. So let me do that again. I love the fact that people don't realize that's his actual voice not yes. his gimmick voice this is kayfabe like this is like this is right 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 ready to rumble ladies and gentlemen presenting the king of pop michael Jackson. so you'd be bad huh i don't move over <laughs> for no one it's so to me it's so crazy that there is a recording in a video game no nonetheless of his do we know the story of how he actually whoa you you just like can you talk are you there yeah can you hear me now yeah now i can yeah that was me putting it on mute but um did did you um do we know the story of how they came about because i i i remember reading like uh game pro back then and egm about it but they never really, I don't think we ever got around to like finding out how they were able to convince him to do this. No, I, I, I there, that's gotta be a great story. That's gotta be a great story. You know what? I'm going to find it after the show and I'll send just whatever I find. Um, rival Please schools, do. rival schools. Well, for, for the Dreamcast, it was project justice. Yes. For the PlayStation, it was rival schools and the rival schools too was in Japan because I still own that one right there. Um, but Project Justice is still a game that people are clam- like old school fighting game fans are clamoring for. Yeah. Like I want a new rival games so bad. I mean, Batsu and all those guys and in Italian with Sakura from Street Fighter and all that. And Street Fighter six, actually Street Fighter five and Street Fighter six does play onto those characters as well. One of the characters from rival schools was on Street Fighter five, but that game was just so f- much fun. It was so, so much fun. Um, I loved it because I had the import version, which was Rival Schools 2, which had the characters from um, from Project Justice. But because the PlayStation couldn't do the same, didn't have that same CPS engine and processor that you could do on the Dreamcast, they just made a, what they did was they compromised, they uh, compensated for it by adding those characters in on the PlayStation, uh, I believe PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 1, it was PlayStation 1, and then adding a dating sim type of deal for plus a creative a character, a uh, creative suite to it as well. 
which is something that we didn't get in the Genesis version. <coughs> yeah, dude. Dreamcast. Like it would just, I love yeah. rival schools. Same here. Same here. Like there's some of the Well, there was an RPG <sighs> that came out for the Dreamcast. I forget its name. It was so good. Fun, such a fun story. There were two of them that were made. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember that like there weren't like a lot of games. Like Capcom didn't really make a lot of games until the very end for Dreamcast. Uh and um what's their name? Uh was- um, oh, he made a ton of games for Dreamcast, to be honest. Yeah, at the, yeah, but not at the start. Um, what's their name? Uh, the big, the, the big, the big RPG company, the Final Fantasy company. Uh, Square Enix. Yeah, or Square SquareSoft Square, at the time. SquareSoft. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Speaking of Capcom games, have you played Spawn? <sighs> I, I'm sure I did. Spawn, but. Capcom came out with a spawn game that was absolutely awesome. It was it was like Unreal Tournament esque type of deal, and except it was like third person. And each character that you play, which was based characters based on the comic book, yes, I do remember they that. all had their own ending. I, do I this game. loved that game, absolutely loved, it. and I wish they would have brought that out, brought that back out. But Todd McFarlane, he I don't understand how he knows how to work with his. Uh, intellectual property when it comes to that stuff but that game was so awesome Tom McFarlane is the exact opposite of George Lucas where he's so careful about where his IP goes it really does it really does but I'm just glad that he brought it back out for Mortal Kombat 11 because I'd missed out on a chance of playing him on um, Soul Calibur because remember each you remember that year that Soul Calibur came out when each version had their own special guest character like the the xbox got it got the best one i think it, uh, they got spawn playstation got uh heihachi mishima from tekken yeah, yeah. Which I, I was like he was kind of the least favorite one for me and then if you own the uh, gamecube you got link yeah in that game which i thought was like probably the most appropriate character to be in the in the realm of uh soul caliber yeah. but i never got a chance to play spawn in that game because i never owned an xbox at the time but they brought him back from um Mortal Kombat 11, I was I was more than happy. More than happy to see that have more there. Yeah, very cool stuff here. Like it's um I like it. I like it a lot, man. It's 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 yeah, Dreamcast was such an underrated system. It's not even funny. Like that's a game that or a system that I gave up my Dreamcast. What did I give up my Dreamcast for? I gave up my N64 for my Dreamcast. Then I gave uh-huh. up my Dreamcast. Basically, it didn't give it up for anything. I just stopped playing right. it when I got my PlayStation 1 modded. Yeah. Let me tell you a funny story about the Dreamcast 2. It involves jury duty. Okay. <laughs> so, so basically, you know, I, and here in the U.S., I don't know about you guys in Canada, but we hate jury duty to an extent. <laughs> Mostly because of the monetary aspect of it, but yeah. also, like... You're risking, you know, you never know what case you're getting and you're risking yourself <laughs> from doing a particular case. Now, great. I, you know, the more mature adult version of me now understands the the um, importance of doing jury duty. And I did do jury duty like a year ago, a year or two ago. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I did because it uh, under circumstances, it really helped that person that was in that situation. Um, but. Back then, I was like, I was by myself. I didn't know I was only paying my own bills and all this stuff. And like, my job is not going to, you know, pay for the days that I get off of jury duty. So 
I had to, you know, say that I couldn't afford to do this. But I don't know why I did this. I went to GameStop when we, you know, every every so often we get we, you know, you wait for it to be called. But then if they don't call you, you take a you know, lunch break. So I took it upon myself to go to the mall and buy another Dreamcast. This is my second Dreamcast, mind you. <laughs> this is from the Japan version. I brought that back with me. And they called me up and I said, like, honestly, I can't really afford to do this. But I had in my hand a new, a dream, a used Dreamcast that I brought. The lawyer, the lawyer that was interviewing us, he apparently knows about this game console. Because maybe maybe because his son didn't want it, but he was like, "Wait a minute! You say you can't afford it? You got a Dreamcast, right?" I'm like, "This is a this is a birthday gift. It was for me. This is a birthday gift." So I made it. Every excuse somehow, some way, I was hold dismissed. On, hold. You lied under <laughs> oath. <laughs> I mean, they didn't they didn't put me under oath when I did it. It was just like. I didn't have to. I didn't have to raise my hand when I got interviewed for jury duty. But Dude, that's amazing. I somehow they was like, "Yeah, all right, just let them go." <laughs> and I walked out of there with that new Dreamcast. <laughs> Dude, that is amazing. That is like one of my favorite stories you've ever told me. I I still to this day don't understand how I got through that because because <laughs> Dreamcast weren't cheap, even though it was like a refurbished used one. I was like. It was still not cheap in, every, in, that, in that respect. And I was like, okay. He knew yeah. his respect that you even knew what that was. <laughs> yeah. Remember how, like, the control, the, the like, the um, the saving card? The, that was, oh, like, you mean the UMD that I still have? Yeah, exactly. Kind of in with fact, the mini games. Yeah. Um, is it here? I actually legit have the blue one. And it's somewhere. I bet it's somewhere. I'll show it to you next time, but I still have it. I, I actually it. still have that. I, I, I just can't get rid of that. Yep. But All right. like I still have this. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> that, that's is that the 2D. Um... This is the actual color version. This oh. is the Neo Geo Pocket color. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Oh, it's Wait. beautiful. Yeah. Real quick, before we jump into wrestling that I wanted to get into yeah. was. Um... Oh, is that what we're here for? Yeah, right. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> we um I was looking through. I have some money on my PlayStation account because of gift certificates and gift certificates and whatnot. And I'm just looking yeah. at like the sales, right? Because the sales are still on for from the holidays and Christmas and No, I just got a few uh up, a few notifications on some I'm like, "Oh, I got to get this." The sales suck this year. I got I got some games that were 30% off, which is not bad. Considering that is like I think they were like forty bucks for the, for a game for a particular game that I want, but yeah, I, I think the the, the, the monetary these monetary strategies on these game companies are very questionable lately. That, that was again we go back again again we go back to you know AEW games and THQ Nordic and how they're structuring Fight Forever right now. It I, I don't understand what they le- what led to them thinking that this was a good idea. But is 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 there what studies are they having right now that are saying they will buy it even if we do this? What's what are, weird is, is you would think that studies would say the exact opposite, right? Because the economy is not no matter where you're at, the economy is still not as solid as I don't I don't understand the the data. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they have any to honestly. Um, justify some of these decisions from a corporate 
point of view. Like the consumers are just getting completely hosed at a time when the consumer yeah. spending is limited. Right. It, it, exactly. Um, and, for, and, and inflation is and inflation is not going down anytime soon. No, neither are interest rates. No. Right. So, so. Uh, I, you, when, when, when you got a game that doesn't give you that much to begin with, still want to give you a whole nother season for a whole lot of other, uh, you know, form of money that doesn't give you much out of that. I'm like, where is the strategy? What? I don't get this. Yep. What, who's running this? <laughs> yep. Okay. So before, right before we get into wrestling, one of the things I wanted to bring up was, you know, uh, if you don't like the video game stuff, what do you want us to talk about? We can talk more comic books. We can talk some anime. We can talk toys. We can talk whatever. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, but this is basically mine and Dax's time to catch up for the week. Or we could talk some other socially in that way. We're never all right. Here's the we're not going to talk politics. Says who? We're going to do a hard forty-five on Israel Palestine right now. <laughs> I have no dog in that fight. I just want peace. <laughs> right? No, but like here you yeah, go. I'm diplomat. I'm, I'm, I'm diplomacy. To, you know, twenty twenty-four. Yeah. Let us know what you want us to talk about because I know that that. The people who read comics, play video games, are nerds like us, mm-hmm. also watch wrestling, so this is a relevant conversation. So just let us know what you want us to talk about. I, you know what? I will say this, though. Talking about semi-political, I just found my um, autograph UFC gloves of Eddie Alvarez. Oof. Yeah. Before he went hill. Yeah. Before he went hill. <laughs> Before he before went heel, and I was like, dude, I was a big Eddie Al. And, all right, respectfully, as a fighter, I'm still an Eddie Alvarez fan. Yes, I was a, a fan of his grit. I was a fan of the fact that he's from Philadelphia. But boy, did that turn a twist! And I felt like he just joined um, Don Collis's family. <laughs> That's what this just feels like right now. <laughs> I. I and I can't get down with Eddie right now. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Right. And it's funny because I got I, I got his I got his autograph from a friend of mine from work. Yeah. From my old from the job I used to work with because they were um she was friends with his wife. I don't know if they're still friends after this recent situation. I would doubt it. But yeah, I, I think so because I don't think there's a mention at all. But she um unless she is, but um she they were friends and she was able to get me the autograph from him. This is when he was um, fighting at Bellator. So I went to go see him fight. Um, I forgot what legend MMA legend he was fighting. He dominated in, in uh, Bellator and we got his autograph from that point. He autographed Vitor? the UFC gloves. Huh? Vitor. No, 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 no. It was uh, a former legendary. I, I can, I got the ticket in a, in a picture that he autographed with, with me on, but he, um, you know, this is before he went to the UFC and I had UFC gloves and I wanted him to sign it. Lo and behold, he would end up being UFC later on and then end up becoming a champion before Conor McGregor lit his ass up. Almost probably lit him up to change philosophies, maybe. Right. <laughs> Who knows what that'll happen? But I look at that now. It's like, uh, I don't know what to do with those. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's jump into wrestling uh, real quick. If you're in the Toronto area, keep Friday, July 5th, Saturday, July 6th, Sunday, July 7th open because WWE announced earlier this morning that Money in the Bank weekend is happening here in Toronto. 
Uh, so that's happened and that's been announced. No information on tickets or anything that just uh, came out earlier this uh, week uh, or today. Uh, so, yeah, Money in the Bank here in Toronto, along with wow. Friday Night Smackdown on Friday, Money in the Bank Saturday, and NXT Heat Wave on the <sighs> Sunday. So there you go. Oh, I, I should possibly mention in addition to that, uh, something that you know now, you know, <laughs> talk about. Is it, speaking of politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me. Um, talk about the beginning of a new year and a new era. I yeah. have officially, as of J- January 1st, day one, am officially watching WWE TV again. I can't explain what made that happen. Yes, I can. I <laughs> Let's just say it was a done deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when I found out about this done deal, I decided, like, I'm back. There's no more indication or refer- or um, proof needed yep. that Vince McMahon is no longer running this company than that man no longer being a part of that company. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Um, his vessel, his vessel and his partner is gone. Honestly, I don't know what to think of it yet. It is, I haven't seen any. Uh, first of all, you guys have been watching it a lot more than I have, so you can tell the differences of in terms of production. I just always knew that the production value was just out of this world no matter what I part of I've done it. And it was just, it, it exceeded the production value is always going to be great. Um, I just noticed some really new changes and everything to that. Um, I noticed the crowd is amazing. The crowd I mean, is just great out of this, Holy fuck. Like the crowd is um, getting out better of this and better. World amazing. But Monday's yeah. crowd was great. Yeah. Um, that was great. Um, I'm just learning about all these new people. So I got to start from scratch again. I'm glad they said they called it day one. Uh, I didn't realize how popular Jay Uso was. <laughs> that was dope. I thought, and I'm thinking because I, I was around when he when him and his brother first came out, and they they had the scholar, the Samoan scholar gimmick. Yep, 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 <laughs> they yep. didn't want to be stereotypes similar before to, they end up becoming stereotypes. Yeah, similar to scholarly Hulk. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So, um, I I I don't know yet. I don't know yet. It's going to take me time to really see what this new regime is going to do. But I'm I said it's going to take. It's going to take some proof for me to want to come back in. So it's officially I'm coming back in. I'm reinvesting. I'm not exactly over the moon excited, you know, yet about what's happening, but it's going to take time. But what I will do is now that I'm going to go back and check out this whole bloodline storyline from and Peacock and see what yeah. the hell y'all are talking about. <laughs> right. There you go. That's awesome to hear. So you keep us updated with that. Also this morning, Wrestle Kingdom 18 happened from Tokyo. Yes. Pretty good show overall, man. Pretty good show. Like there was really? nothing bad. There was some excellent Okada Danielson. Excellent. Excellent. Finley, Osprey, Moxley. Tons of fun. Um, and even mm-hmm. the main event surprised me with uh, Naito and Sonata. Me being a huge Naito mark obviously how i call the uh, and every single show um <laughs> i was i was very happily surprised with how that match went down but honestly mm. them, tons of fun great show is it worth me paying 10 bucks to go or however it costs to go back in it's worth me sending you my credentials thank you <laughs> <laughs> yep and it's funny because i had to like redo the entire login because they have the app much better yeah beautiful ui are you, are you serious? The UI has finally changed. Like it's if you, not, all right, it's okay. But like this, if you pause, if you if you pause out, does it keep the record of where you left off? You're asking for two much they, right now. Okay. 
That was one of my pet peeves, but so I haven't tried it because this is, today was the first day I used an app rather than the online. Okay. So you can test this out when you watch Wrestle Kingdom um, on uh, the uh, on the account. But yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll watch that. We'll talk about that. But very good show. Tons of fun awesome. on that show. Um, let's talk some AEW Dynamite, shall we? Again, I yes. don't think this is going to take us too long. But let's uh, let's talk no. about your thoughts. What did you think of the show overall? It was the int- it was a prelude episode is what I like to call it. It was a prelude to things to come. It wasn't much of it, but there were some significant things that were getting in gear for 2024. Um, we didn't get to see most of the, you know, there was no elite insight because for obvious reasons. Um, but well, with the exception of uh, Hangman, but we're seeing some new th- developments happening and including a ba- brand new Akatsuki like group. <laughs> that is formed and it's going to be interesting to see um so i mean nothing blow away but you know good thing solid wrestling uh some fun entertainment stuff not the not the best i've ever seen to date but like it was there was something to look forward to yeah I, it wasn't the greatest right in my opinion it was um in my opinion it just went to goes goes to show you how good the content at the classic wasn't keeping it wrestling focused uh, I think that it, the show really missed that to a certain extent. Yes. But but like you said, I think that this was a nice little prolo- uh, prologue for the year that is coming. I think this is going to it's setting the pace. And most importantly, I kind of feel like this was the first show in a long time. Maybe because MJF isn't there. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. Where it's the post-punk era. It really, yes. It, it really did kind of feel like that. It really did. And speaking of the content of the class real quick, I remember you gave me that link. Thank you for that. Because during when I was doing my year in video, I watched that entire thing. That's how many I did. A, I, I produced a four minute video. It took me five hours to do. And I watched the entire continental classic from start to finish on that YouTube on your timeline page. It, that was such a great tournament, man. They really need to invest in that again. Yeah. Loved it. I loved it, too. What do you think of Eddie Kingston winning? Loved it. For those who we do this all the time, I don't know why we as as fans keep doing this. We're impatient. We need to be more patient. I know we live in a short and sensitive society, but we need to let stories flesh out. That's how we used to do it back in the day in the 80s and the 70s when watching wrestling. And then even in the 90s, we need to keep go back to really being patient because for those who kept saying, they will immediately say this person is buried, this person is not being elevated or, or lifted. It'll eventually happen. And AEW has been always trusting to do that. They've never let us down on that. Now we got Eddie Kingston in with arguably his biggest career push ever. And the stories that were told were phenomenal. I'm so looking forward to his run right now. Um, I thought thought it it did it justice for everything. You got to remember, this dude wasn't supposed to be in this company. He got in on a tryout basis during the pandemic. And because he made such a great impression for with Cody Rhodes and, and, and Arn Anderson at that time, he came in. I listen to everybody. When you take an opportunity, when you get an opportunity, you give it your all. You put your all into it. And man, did he ever put his all into it? And then that right there that you're showing me, I'm all for this. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, yeah, Continental Classic was great. Let's get right into Dynamite. Dynamite. Uh, yesterday was from New Jersey. We get started right away 
from hearing with the new AEW champion. Let's uh, get some audio on what this man said. I am not a prophet, but I gave you the future. I am not a seer, but I saw what the future held. And it was this championship. I am not a man who makes predictions. I'm a man who keeps promises. MJF, not too long ago at Grand Slam, you used everything within your power to steal from me my rightful championship. And you thought that somehow, some way, that I would be like the rest of the scumbags here in New York and appreciate you for what you do. No, MJF. No, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. What you do to me, I revisit upon you a thousandfold. You embarrassed me, you cheated, and you used everything within your disposal to take this from me. And I turned everyone you loved against you. I showed up to your neighborhood in front of your friends and family, and I took everything from you. You may be a scumbag, MJF, but I'm a heartless son of a And in a world that is not big enough for men like you and I to occupy at the same time, I will always, always take what is mine. I am Samoa Joe. I am the AEW World Champion. And I will take everything from anyone who tries to take this from me. Honestly. And I totally believe every single word he has said. <clears throat> Honestly. Honestly. I, as somebody who have watched Samoa Joe since day one, who was live, seen him live, day one of Ring of Honor, and seen his rise, his two-year reign as ROH champion, and him also never getting this opportunity in WWE, I am so absolutely ecstatic for what's about to come. Yep. Let's just remind people about his WWE reign. NXT, fantastic. Main roster, injury-ridden. Uh, when he became a commentator... Yeah. Injury uh, kept them there, right? Like I, I just want to remind ultimate, you, you're right. as a commentator. You're right. Ultimately, you're right that Samoa Joe unfortunately didn't get the chance because of his health. Uh, but this is the Samoa Joe that we, you and I, literally we, Dax and Boris, have been waiting twenty years to see again. Oh my God, has it been twenty years? Yes, it has. 20, oh, two thousand and three. Two thousand and three. <laughs> you're right. Oh, do or die. Um, oh, my goodness. It, it really fight without honor was when he debuted. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. That is so, so crazy. If you guys have not seen a Samoa Joe run and you like real fight fills, you're in for a ride. If they if they grant him the ride that we want him to have, you're in for it. Like his TNA run was pretty good, too. I will say that. His TNA run as champion was was pretty good, yeah. but it never it never his his greatest title run, bar none, 
is Ring of Honor, and it helped elevate Ring of Honor to where it is now. 100%. 100%. All right. Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven, along with Warlow, come to the ring. Cole says it's ironic that people were shocked by what happened at AEW World's End. Cole says that MJF has more enemies than anyone. Cole calls MJF a narcissist and then says that it's time for change. Cole, like, just like going Harwood. Cole says the locker room and fans will learn to thank him because MJF is gone and he's never coming back. Cole says he betrayed MJF before. MJF could even betray him. Colvin claims that MJF needed him. He reminds us that the fans would not be cheering for MJF if it wasn't for him. Cole says that all of this became about destroying a man, and he says MJF is dead and that he doesn't even work there anymore. Colvin names the new group the Undisputed Kingdom, and he says that all of them are going to be going for various belts. Taven and Bennett, the tag belts. Roderick Strong the will be going after the international title. And here's the interesting part about all of this. I want your opinion on this. Go ahead, because I know what you're getting at. Go. <laughs> right, because he's already saying, Warlow's going to win the world title, and when he wins it, he's just going to hand it over the belt to me. I think that was the only downside of this whole entire segment, because it's like, okay, we just are, we're just now getting through Christian and Luchasaurus which is doing virtually the same thing. And now you're going to do this. And you think Warlow is good. Warlow's going to play the Samoa Joe with this. Yeah. Warlow, if, if, when, I, when I say that, folks, when Samoa Joe was in Ring of Honor, he joined a group, or he was a mercenary for the group known as the Prophecy, which was Christopher Daniels, Xavier, uh, and a few other people in there. And he was meant to have joe be the mercenary but joe was in the back of these promos looking at him like yeah whatever i feel like warlow's gonna be that character and when he gets the title he's like the title's all in his and samoa joe when he got the title from xavier back then he was like no i'm on my own screw you guys yep. <laughs> i think i think warlow's gonna do the same thing i don't I see yeah. i don't see why they went this direction with that but I we already had this with luchasaurus and i don't i don't like how they already planted seeds for how this group is gonna break up with warlow yes it was it was really foregone conclusion at that sense. Yep. Yep. But I, with that said, I like this little this little faction, and I like the fact that they call it the Undisputed Kingdom. And I figure like I, this is how they got away for got away with still keeping an undisputed name of something, and you know the trick because I knew WWE trademarked the uh, Undisputed Era already, yeah. but Undisputed Kingdom I like that a little better. Yep. White it, Jay White's out along with the guns, and he says he doesn't like the way that Cole made him collateral damage. White and the guns charge the ring. They brawl with the Undisputed Kingdom. Then the acclaimed and Billy Gunn run, sending the newly formed Undisputed Kingdom running. And then we had a stare-off between the acclaimed, the guns, and the Bullet Club gold. And I guess uh, that's a thing. That's That was the one thing I took away from that point. One, I like the fact that they are following up on all of their, you know, um, their B stories that are coming in. Hold on. Yeah. I also like the way that they did this. Well, certainly no shortage of history between the guns. Boom. Right? Like, you know, these are groups who... These are groups who have been fighting, right? And it's kind of like, okay, right. we now have a common enemy. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, the connection no of the guns. history between the guns and the acclaimed. I mean, both Bones and Caster. Yeah, I like that. Well, that that's again, we don't give credit for Tony Khan booking when he weaves 
those webs together like that. He does that often, and people don't give him enough credit for that. I think the takeaway for me was how the hell did Adam Cole get out of that ring so fast with his leg? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the Bullet Club and the Acclaim booked it in that damn ring, and all of a sudden, he's all the way on the other side. And I'm like, damn. How injured is he? <laughs> Did they just carry him over? What happened? I didn't even think of that until right now. <laughs> I'm like, he got to that side. Quit, like, dude, they, they didn't slow down. They ran and yep. they booked it into that ring. All right. Daniel Garcia says that he's, gonna, he's not going to buckle under pressure tonight. And he puts over his match against Swerve Strickland. This is the first time we even mentioned Swerve Strickland all episode. I don't want to. I know. <laughs> But, we're trying to hold out. We're trying yeah, to hold back. Same. Same. We're trying to not to go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First match of the night. AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy versus Dante Martin. Um, This match. It's was fun. Okay. It was fun. It was fine. It was fine. But. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy matches range from good to really good. Like, or good to great. I mean, the good is still like it's a, the good is still OK, but it's not his best, but it's never bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. So I, I did the I, I read my notes from my slam report. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I, literally what I read when we do this show, because I do the slam report. Right. You can find each and every single week at uh, slamwrestling.net. What's really cool is that last week, one of the um, photographers was at the show. Look at that shot. Look at that shot. Nice of, shot. Very uh, nice shot. At, there's a other cool shot. Was that from a that was that that's from a no, that's not a camera phone. No, 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 no. This is like Dude, that's camera. Not a camera. What is it? This is legit camera. That looks oh. Sony or Canon. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I mean like that was that was speed shutter. Yeah. Great great work. Yeah. Let's see what else. That's a cool shot of Darby Allen doing the the uh, um the coffin drop on the outside. Yeah. I, I tell really you cool this, job. man. Like that's my thing. Like when I was when I went to uh AEW in Philly last um last year, last October or whatever like that, um I was at front. I was in front for that one. And I did see like a lot of photographers there, and I like with the cameras, I'm like, damn, I wish I could bring my camera. Oh, right? the shots that I can! Oh, the I shots can, I can freaking take! I can technically, cause like with the media pass, but like, yeah, it's just honestly. When Let I'm at know. a wrestling show, I want to focus on the wrestling show. Okay, where are we? Yeah, the match. Let me know. Cassidy. So yeah. this match was fun-ish. Um, mm-hmm. What I did like about this match is the ending because it was kind of Dante Martin's first title shot, singles title shot, maybe one of his first. He doesn't do it yeah. often, and it was a no. mistake that cost him because he dodged a lot of Orange Cassidy's finishers. Uh, mm-hmm. Cassidy gets a two count after hitting a crucifix. Martin gets up, he jumps off, but Cassidy dodges a senton, and he gets the orange punch for the win. So I like how it was in a mistake from this guy who's typically not a singles wrestler that led, which makes logical sense. Yes. Yeah. You're so you know that's what I love when you're a tag team technician is what I usually like to call them. When you're a tag team technician, you are solely always dependent on the other person, and now you got to think for yourself throughout the whole entire time. Yeah. These are the logical things that I think that needs to be spoken about. Which 
to Xavier's credit and Taz's credit, they do try to implement in their commentary every so often. I do appreciate that. But a form, a, what I loved about commentary back in the day is that there was always a color guy who always educates you and educates you on the sport aspect as well as the entertainment aspect. So, you know, I always love when they do that. And I, I always want to see more of that, especially when it happened during a Continental Classic as well. Yep. All right. After the match, hook and down. Whoa, I just pulled on my headset really badly. Uh, hook and Denhausen come out to celebrate. Private Party are back and they put the tag team division on notice. I love that they're back. I wasn't too particularly happy on their presentation of them coming back, but they've never been good on their, you know, presentation. It was always, it was always a little bit off. Their presentation's but, always been weird. Yeah, exactly. Like they're supposed to be the cool guys, but they come off like, I like the geeky dudes at a party at the same time. But it's like, um, I'm glad that they're back. I'm glad that, you know, uh, what is uh, Zay's partner name again? I forgot. It's been so long. Uh, Mark Quinn. Yes. Um, it's been a while. I'm glad to see he's finally up and running and okay. I don't know what's the deal with them challenging, you know, putting blast on the uh, on the Hardys after all this time. Like that's just out of nowhere. But we got tag teams are building up again, and that's great. Yep. All right, we're gonna play the audio of this because I love this promo as well. Tony Storm, congratulations on retaining the <laughs> AEW Women's Championship at World's End against Riho. But here we are, the beginning of the year. What does 2024 look like for you? Firstly, Renee, may I say, that perfume is very overwhelming. And secondly, I was very excited to come here until I realized this isn't New York. This is New Jersey. It's just not really my milieu. I belong on Broadway, so... I've decided to call it tonight. I am heading to Manhattan. We're going to go to Sardi's. We're going to have a seance for Stephen Sondheim. Okay, great. Um, however, up next, Mariah May is making her in-ring debut, and she's been practically begging for you to watch one of her matches. Darling, I don't watch wrestling. Besides, how hard can it be? The girl could do with paying her dues, and what's not a better way to do that than wrestle in New Jersey? Luther, <laughs> scoop. Oh my. Chin, tits. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, shit. Playing off of Renee is the best. Like, I, she, I'm sorry. I don't have a Hall of Fame or Ring of Honor of my own. Renee Paquette is in. Best thing since Gene Oakland. Right. I'm She's so good. Best thing since G almost honestly, the way I feel about Jim, you know, Jim Ross in his prime over Gordon Soley, I feel this for Renee Paquette over um, you know, Gene Oakland. I think she does so well with every single person that she is interviewing. And this one with Timeless Tony Storm is one of the best. The whole shoe thing. <laughs> It's just a running gang. Everything. And can I, can we also give credit to Luther? Uh, Luther, because we don't really pay attention to Luther as well. His reactions. Luther's his re reactions. Yes, the re his playing off the reactions. Him not saying anything is just saying so much more. It's the best use of Luther ever. Period. <laughs> his body must like him too. Like, like he's got. It's got to be funny. Like he's not putting his body at risk at all. This is probably the most popular he's ever been in his career. Look, I, people credit RJ City for this for putting this together. You still have to execute this. Oh, yeah, 
the execution. People have gotten ideas for gimmicks over time in wrestling. Not all of them have the grit and confidence and conviction to be able to pull that off. Tony still has to pull that off. And Tony, she embodies this character. It, it, I mean, just totally engulfs in it. And it, I love this. I love this. I love this. It is absurd, but it's just awesome at the same time. Yeah. That's what I like about wrestling, right? It can be awesome. It can be absurd. It can be insane. It can be a lot of things all at once. Um, but I love entertaining it. overall. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. That's that's why I wanted to play it. Okay, after that, we had a House of Black promo. They send a message to FTR. They're wrestling each other at Collision. I'm not mad at that. It's always going to be a great match. Yep. Prince Nana hypes up Swerve Strickland and says they're looking towards 2024. And I love this part of the promo because it's like just a reminder, right? Hey, don't forget us. He says he wants to mm-hmm. win the world title, and he's putting Joe on notice. I remember remember we talked about that um that segment a while back when um MJF was spotted wanted a mask in front of um their locker room and Samoa Joe came out to protect him, but Samoa Joe gave like swerved the eye. I'm like, that is that is some prelude to some things that happen. Yep. Uh apologies if uh, if you can hear all my coughing. I'm still a little sick, but feeling so much better. All right. Uh, Mariah May versus Queen Minata. This match was quick and fast. It's exactly what it needed to be. And AEW has always had this weird thing about debuts. And I yeah. always find that in a debut, you want your debuting superstar to just, I don't want to say just demolish. Like, it doesn't need to be a, a squash match. No. But they need to convincingly win. And that's what ha- what we got yeah. here. Uh, Mar- May hits a, a sling blade and she hits a May Day for the win. Which, in, in hindsight, is a modified Michinoku driver. Correcto. <laughs> yep. One that I've seen in a video game, in, in, in the video games lately, so good yep. one. After the match, Renee Paquette. And also, let's remember, Murame, she's only 25 years old. Is she? Yeah. I, I was not aware of the age. Yeah. Wow. Pretty established. That's what I mean. Like, she's, she's doing very well for herself uh, at that age. And then uh, Renee Paquette comes into the ring and wants to interview May. May says she wants she wanted to be a wrestler since she was a kid and that she hopes that Tony Storm watched that and is proud of her. May says the first dynamite of the year was all about her. And then Diana Perrazzo, the virtuoso, is out and she says that she is from New Jersey, which gave her a huge pop. Uh, huh? Perrazzo says that she's going to find where Tony Storm went and announces that she is indeed all elite. And this is the age of the virtuosa. And then she ends up kicking May down. Yeah. Loved this segment. Loved her introduction. Um, I've always been a fan of her since NXT. Um, she's definitely come a long way in a sense of it being established. Um, I like the fact that they decided to do it in her hometown because I think it would be, it's better received because people do are no aware of her and her status. Um, I know people were also expecting somebody else to come out this night, and that might not happen yet, if it is going to happen. But I feel like this was a great setting for her. It was greatly strategically, you know, placed for her debut. Yeah. So I, I dug it. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Liked it a lot. All right. Christian Cage's State of the Union um, for science and for yeah. research reasons. 
I've had to uh, follow Shane Wayne on Instagram. That's that's uh, <laughs> for science. <laughs> Did you know? For science. For science. For science. You got to explain your you got to explain your formula and facts. Just got to know what's going on, right? Got to if I'm going to be talking about this stuff, I got to be in the know, got to got to know what's going on. Got to got to got to be ready for what's to come. They were from our <laughs> from our the <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. I see. Yeah. I understand. I too do, do, do. am researching for science. <laughs> for science. All right. TNT champion Christian Cage is out with Nick Wayne, kill switch, and Shayna Wayne. Shayna hypes up Christian Cage, and then Christian Cage takes the mic, and he says he went through a war at AEW World's End, and he thanks Mother Wayne, his pride and joy, Nick Wayne, and then he thanks himself, who made the entire win possible, leaving kill switch off the list, which, again, considering we had just talked about this and we had just seen the whole Wardlow stuff. It's just like, ah, ah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cage, but, but, okay. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Cage then says he has beaten Copeland twice, so now he won't get another title shot. Cage says that he is superior to Copeland in every way possible. He then issues a warning to anyone wanting his title, and he says that at AEW's world end, it was just a small sample of what he's willing to do to retain the TNT championship. So, my only negative to this segment it was the very person that we're doing research on right now. Um, you know how you visually... I'm attracted to somebody and then you talk to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> this was the kind of deal where it was like with, with Shane and Wayne, mostly because one, she's saying the same thing yeah. that she said in her first debut of talking. And then it's how she's talking. It's It, it feels like she's not... Well, and I don't know how established or season she is to talking on a mic in front of uh, a few hundreds or thousands of people. It can't be easy, but it just like, it just seemed very slow paced and it felt like it dragged for a long time, even though she wasn't saying too much for long, but it was mostly the same thing. It's like, how dare you, you boo me. It's like, how many times at this point, you got to find something else to say. It's the very, it's the low hanging fruit of the, of the uh, evil wench, right? Right. I mean, granted, we get the situation, but now you can't use that. You can't keep using that as the same thing. You eventually you're going to because she reminds me of. um, Of, uh, you know, uh, Jared's wife in a lot of ways. Yeah, she reminds me of Karen Jared in a lot of ways, but Karen. For some reason, gets it. She knows if anything, I would love for those two to, you know, gather notes because Karen was another person who just came into the scene. Really didn't come. Did she really? Because she was married to Kurt Angle at first, but she was never into the business. No. Yep. Until she met with with Jared. And then she somehow she fit right in. She -hmm. assimilated right into the filler thing and became a really good hill type of person. And had a really good hill persona. Um, Booker T's wife is another one I give that credit to. Like, well, she was in she was in the business before that, though, but not as a personality. Yeah. Mind you. Um. But, you know, I think just it might just take time. It might just take time. But the fact that she's doing it and, you know, she's doing it in honor 
of her husband and all that stuff. And it, you know, you know, I'll, I'll give it a benefit of a doubt. Um. Yeah. Speaking of her, you know, Mackenzie Mitchell, like my 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 near and deal, Mackenzie Mitchell, who used to work at NXT, uh, also worked at Impact. Yeah. You know how she looks, right? Yeah. Like you know, blah, 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 blah. Tell me that this yep. isn't a spitting image of her. Oh my god! That's 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 Shayna Wayne. Yeah, they kind of, Yeah, no, I get it. I I get my I get my whole thing now. Classic <laughs> Boris. Right. Speaking of low hanging fruit, uh, backstage we had Ruby Soho, and she appreciated that Harley Cameron's helped her on Rampage, and then Cameron says uh, she is happy to be an outcast. I don't care. Harley was in that segment. I don't care. <laughs> no, this um, I'm looking forward to it. I think these are three great personalities coming together, and uh, this should be an interesting story to, uh, being told. Yep. And how Harley is going to mix into this craziness, I don't know. Just, just continue playing Britney Spears with knives, and we're good. You know, I didn't. I for, I didn't really realize that. That's probably where they're doing this. From. That's probably it. Because <laughs> Harley's a singer too, right? So right. Again, we don't give that woman credit to how awesome she is as a performer. Oh yeah. She. I mean, when she when she did that freestyle and all that stuff, it's not an easy thing to do, folks. No, live. Live, mind you, and with with conviction. Again, yes. We could talk all we want about whether we like or not. That was that takes a lot of grit, talent, and conviction to be able to pull off and skill. Yep, exactly. So, yep. All right, Takeshita. Kudos to her on that. This is Darby <laughs> Allen. This match was exactly what you thought it would be. Darby yes. Allen just fucking getting just thrown like a child's toy. Like Takeshita just abused this poor kid. I love this match though because it's both two of my favorite people, two clashing styles. I I will when Takeshita wrestles, I am all for it. I am like completely. I, I love it to take a Takeshita match. It, it, like I've seen him wrestle live twice. His 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 hits are so amazing. Like I, how long has he been in? How long has he been wrestling? Do we know? I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming not too long. They fit, they make him as if he's like a a uh, young lion. Yeah, and he's in his young lion phase, growing. You know, you know, leaving the territory and growing, in 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 you know other regions right now. He just feels so seasoned, and the way he pulls off hits. I told you about the time when you know when I went to uh, see him in live, and he did this one hit, and they put it on picture and picture for you guys. It should not have been a picture picture because it was a knockout blow. And it just like you could it was like watching a Dragon Ball episode when they, you know, hit you when it when when they like Goku hits Cell or Cell hits Goku and you hear the boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heard around the world. It's like, what the hell is that? Yep. This is He's great. awesome. This is great. Takeshita just dives and hurts um the island uh we had the very cool rolling german suplex down the ramp spot uh oh, alan comes oh, wait, back. wait not, not time out not just a rolling german suplex let's give credit where credit is due this was a double rolling chaos theory yes yes <laughs> we we got to give credit to the man who is who inspired rather invented that or inspired that doug williams shout out to him that that was awesome yeah. <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> 
And I like that Takeshi tries to keep Darby Allen down throughout the match. Like he doesn't he doesn't allow him to get up. Because anytime he gets up, Allen uses his body and he just uh tries to ransack Takeshi. That tope that led to a knee dr- uh, uh, striking knee? Yes, Oof. that's exactly it. Allen dodges a running <laughs> strike. Takeshita gets Takeshita down, hits a coffin drop onto Takeshita, who's at ringside. Allen then hits a code red for an earphone. He goes up top, goes for a coffin drop, but Takeshita blocks it and hits a German suplex. Allen eats a fucking lariat that looked like it hurt so much. Uh, he got kicked. Takeshita controls the rest of the match, and he hits an avalanche suplex, followed by a knee strike for the win. Excellent match. Exactly what you thought it would be, but in the best way possible. It was my main event of, it was my, when I heard that this match was coming, I'm like, this is my main event right here. I know that you got a guy who likes to take hits with a guy who likes to give them. <laughs> and it made for a great, great matchup. Yeah. 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 Uh, so at my brother's wedding, I mm-hmm. heard to you that the priest. I was just going to connect the Vikesh somebody get hit. What the hell? <laughs> just, 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 just give it time that. You know, during the speech that the um, that the priest was giving, the eulogy, or yeah. not the eulogy. What I guess it was a eulogy for my brother. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. <laughs> whatever you call it, right? Uh, the sermon mm-hmm. or whatever he says, and I kid you not, I fuck you not. This is what a priest at a Roman Catholic church said: the best marriage is between a sadist and a masochist because one loves giving pain and the other loves taking pain. Wow. Wow. As a man who's been married for 18 years, going on 19, I think there may be some truth to that. <laughs> really dark, dark. <laughs> but, like, this is. Oh. Anyways. Wow. Darby Allen, sadist, masochist. <laughs> See? I made it work. I made it work. Wow. Kudos. I raised my, I raised my cup to you. Oh, <laughs> no. Backstage, Don Callis issues a challenge for uh, issues a challenge for next week. Callis wants Darby Allen and Sting to face K- Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs. Mm. So you got Matt Truck with the with Takeshita driving the Matt Truck there, and you got two Daredevils that are willing to stand in front of it yep. and see who's going to play chicken first. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. All right. The one thing I love, the one thing I love about that real quick is whenever because this is not the first time Hobbs has dealt with Darby and, and Sting. No. Remember they had that cinematic match a while Sting's back. First match. Sting's first match. Yes. Back. They always seem to know. I, I don't know if Sting's the general of this, but he always they always seem to know how to make a great match involving Sting, who can only do but so much, but make it seem like he's doing a lot. Yeah. And it, I'm it, always looking forward to seeing how that's gonna go with the Kesha involved in this. Someone's gonna like to catch. Oh, who knows, man? Honestly, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> That's um, gonna be interesting. The next match, the winner earns an AEW Continental Title shot. We had Trent Beretta versus Brian Cage versus Brian Keith versus El Hijo de Vecino. You know, I love El Hijo de Vecino. I really do. I think he's great. I think he's a fun, entertaining wrestler to watch. Yeah, but he sticks out like a sore thumb in AEW sometimes. Mostly because of that title he's holding. I believe yeah. like he, he gives me um he gives me tiger mass vibes <laughs> like yeah. he's a guy who just you know he's a special attraction he comes in every so often 
but he's never really established. But when he wrestles, I guess, you know, the great Sasuke's, if you will, uh, you know, one of my favorite matches of Tiger Mask when he was in WWF or WWWF was when he fought the great, you know, he, he fought against the great dragon or something like that. Or And then Sasuke was another uh, match that he wrestled in that, you know, in that company. And it was just like an attraction match. So I don't know. What is his deal with AEW? Is he, is he an established dude or he's just in every so often? Every so often. He's, he's with AAA still officially. Right. So I don't really understand why he's well, in a match where he feels like he's going to Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's weird. It's weird. I get what you're saying. Right. But it's always uh, fun to see him. Brian Keith, what you think of him? Oh, I love this. I, he's a he's like a, a, a throwback gimmick. Yeah, he is. It's, I'm still trying to figure out like what's his backstory. But what he does in the ring is really entertaining. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. I'm glad that they're giving him more time, more um, opportunities. Honestly, I don't know why. I when I see him, I just think of Blazing Saddles. I don't know why. Exactly. It's like they still there's still people like him out there. <laughs> he's yeah. like a throwback dude. Like he's a throwback from a time of Western times. Of like like I don't see dudes with ponchos and his pants that he's wearing and tats that he's, like he's a he's a he's really a desperado throwback yep badges we don't need no stinking badges um <laughs> this match was all right i don't know this match didn't didn't really keep me it didn't blow it yeah, I agree. it didn't blow it wasn't a blow away uh let's see what happens in the ring keith hits beretta with a headbutt for a two count because he loves using his body beretta comes back slams keith down for the win trent beretta is a getting a shot at his best friend, Orange Cassidy, for the international title. Now, which brings me to my question here, because there was something involved in the, what was the, uh, the Zero Hour, involving the Battle Royal, which included uh, Trent, you know, getting over on uh, Van Housen. Yep. And, you know, to see, you know, and the, the commentators made it seem like that they had some, animosity between each other or some dissension even in this match Didn't right really they shared a couple it. looks yeah and so i'm wondering like who's the one is going to be doing what here is it going to be trent or is it going to be you know is, is this the be beginning of the end of the best friends thing or what's going to happen here that's what i'm a little bit intrigued about right now yep, yep. it gives you something to keep tuning into this mid-card story right another story that's maybe developing within 2024 yep um Let's see what's happening. Renee Paquette's going to do an interview, but Hangman Adam Page comes in and he says he's going to beat someone's ass. Let's jump to the main event of the Dancing Fools. Daniel Garcia versus Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana. Oh, fun, uh, fun match. Fun, uh, really fun match at the end of the day. Um, I loved everything on it. it did nothing too big, but like something. It was, a, it was a really fun match. And, you know, Daniel Garcia, I'm really going to be interested in seeing what his um what his journey is going to be in 2024 because it is almost like they this is the year that they're going to have to really start to do something with him it they're, they're telling a very personal story with him right his yes. win in the continental classic right the Brody lee kind of thing and connection yeah. to his emotional stuff even this week right like they're going somewhere with this character and i'm liking it yeah and again as fans we need to be patient and let us see what, what goes through all right, so Swerve Strickland wins with a house call 
after the match, Garcia and Strickland are about to shake hands, but Prince Nana is in, and low blows Garcia. Matt Menard tries to make the save, but Strickland takes him out. Hangman Adam Page makes his return and attacks Strickland to end the show. Which is going to be interesting because, all right, they're still rekindling this rivalry, which it can't necessarily be over. Um, it, you know, Hangman has to get his licks eventually. Yeah. But then Samoa Joe is being added to the mix as well as the Undisputed Kingdom. So yeah. there's a lot going on right now. Well, there's a lot of stories happening oh. right now. Like, it is... It is absolutely crazy how many stories are happening. These are the uh, shots, which you can all find, slamwrestling.net. There's a link in my story to our um, photo gallery from... Oh, tremendous shots. Right? Wow, look at that. Really good shots. Really, really good shots. Wow. Was he in hard cam area, or are you just moving around? He usually sticks around with the hard camera. Yeah. Yeah. And he also moves on to certain areas too, so he moves around a lot. He moves up and down the the close he's, area. He's me when I'm at, in, at when I'm at uh, New York Comic Con. Yeah, there you go. Right. This is exactly what I do. Is like I I have my spot. You know, I'm at the front, at very front of the uh, of the panels. That's but then cool I move picture. around to get some wide shots. Wow, look at that. That's a great picture of the ramp uh, shot from the. So he's at. His, here's my here's my theory. Here's my theory about that. He's at he's at his normal hard camera position, but he's able to zoom in on that. That's a great zoom in. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Oof, look at that. These are really good, really good pictures. I, I could barely get that on a, you know, in the because the lighting is so good in the front and where he's at. The lighting is so good. Even with a fo- camera phone, you could get some great shots. But when you got speed shutter, phew, the picture, he probably, I guarantee you, your man has hundreds on that on an on a SD card. Oh, for sure. I can tell you. So I did. I've done shows with this photographer and other photographers at Slam, and yes, yeah. I'll do the you know the editing for their pictures to get the stories up. Sometimes if Greg yeah. can't, I uh, did one for Impact Wrestling, dude. I I was given pff, for the three hour show that Impact put on. I was given about five thousand pictures. Yeah, it is that like he's loading up hard and ah. Uh, Oh, oh! <laughs> I love seeing stuff like that. Same here. Same here. It's it, I just love seeing everything come together at the end, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that's that was that was dynamite. Like I say, not the worst show, not the best show, but it was a fun, entertaining show. A lot of seeds planted. Again, a prelude uh, yeah. episode. We're gonna see more coming. I mean, I, again, um, there's a lot of expectations coming in the coming weeks of things and appearances and debuts and all this stuff. We'll see, but I think the, the the biggest nail that they wanted to hit is that there's a new faction involved, and that was like basically I think the biggest part of this show. And we're gonna see how far this this uh, goes. I actually I'm actually interested in the kingdom itself. Um, Matt Taven and, and and um, what's his name? Uh, Mike. Mike Bennett. Yeah, Mike Bennett. I think they're slowly getting more established as this whole thing goes along. And now that this new group, because they, I think what helps the kingdom and it would always help the kingdom is that they always had a great leader in front of them. And at the time they had Adam Cole when he was there and then Matt Taven took over and it didn't really kick off as good as it did because Matt Taven as a great wrestler as he is, he's not really a guy that you would look like. He's, he's not a Jay White. He's not an Adam Cole, but he always shines when he's 
with those guys. So I want to see how those guys develop with this new faction under a new production value and everything. So I'm interested in, in a development of those two in particular. Yep, exactly. That's exactly it. And I think you use you bring up a great points, man. Great points. Uh, you know, and they've always had even Maria, right, as their leader. Yeah. So I think Maria had more shine in those guys. Yep. Yep. Yep, man. All right. So that is the show. Dax, where can we find your work? Uh the your non wrestling podcast work. All things anime, comics, movies, and games can be talked about on my platform, which is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It is the podcast that caters to all of our favorite fandoms. You can go to our official website on TalkTimeLive.com where you can check out all of our audio episodes, which is my year-end, my two-hour year-end. Best of 2023 is up now. And all of our video exclusives with some of the best in all things anime, comics, movies, and games. You know, names like... You know, Molly Flanagan, who is the voice of Naruto, Amanda C. Miller, the voice of Baruto. We got, you know, actors, game developers, uh, you know, comic book writers, comic book artists, uh, people that you're familiar with. I've had an opportunity to interview in there. You can check that out and more. And some panels that I work with, uh, Repop, the people behind New York Comic Con, C2E2. Um, you know, uh, you name it, they've done it <laughs> pretty much. So you can check out all that on talktimelive.com and you can subscribe and download the show of ACMG presents talk time live, wherever podcasts are played. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. We have a jam packed weekend coming up here on SNM radio because we still have so many shows to talk about. Still no impacts, uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll be, we'll be coming impact impact. will be coming back when we get the regular shows back uh but we still have the smack daddies we have collision catch up we have well this show for example there's so much more and we have some specials <laughs> coming at you because we are going to be reviewing mel and andre are going to be reviewing wrestle kingdom uh, and then obviously we have the main show coming at you this weekend so much more if you want to be part of the family just go to patreon.com slash sme radio because for a, a buck a week about a buck a week you get to be part of the family uh and we appreciate that so much man but yeah so much on the go so much great stuff happening here on snb radio dax as always thank you so much for joining me he's dax boris till next time stay tranquilo